Hello, everyone, and welcome to IPA's Board of Pharmacy podcast, the What, Why, and How podcast, excuse me, I should clarify, where we talk about what action the board took at today's meeting, why they took that action, and how this affects your practice. I am again joined by Sue Mears from the Board of Pharmacy. Thank you, Sue, for joining us. Sure. Uh, I know you guys had a pretty busy meeting um, between the closed session and open session, but there was also um, some pretty important rules discussed and adopted by the board. So I look forward to talking about those, Sue, and getting some more information on uh, the board's decision-making there. But I thought we would start by talking about uh, the Board of Pharmacy legislation and an update from you, and then I can uh, join from IPA's perspective. But I'd love to hear uh, where we're at with uh, the board's legislative proposals this year. Yeah, thanks, Casey. Um, so the board's um, had filed two proposed bills for the legislative session this year, and both of those bills are doing quite well so far. Last week was the first funnel, so a bill would have had to be um, considered and approved by a committee within one chamber um, by the end of the week in order to remain viable this session, and the board's bills have um, far exceeded that funnel requirement. So they've both been approved by the full House of Representatives and have already also gone through a committee in the Senate. Um, so they're in really, really good shape and they're ready to be um, voted on by the full Senate chamber and then hopefully on to the governor. Great. That is awesome news. Yeah. And, um, I have to say uh, kudos to the board and the legislature and everyone who's worked on this bill so far, because it's pretty early to have something that close to the finish line. So yeah. really good to see some, some good bills moving close now. Um, and IPA was uh, happy to register in support of those bills and, and think it'll be positive changes for pharmacy. So that is good news. Um, IPA's bill to lower the immunization age for pharmacists, uh, allow test and treat for flu, strep, and COVID, and um, established broad collaborative practice authority uh, is also moving along, although not as close to the finish line as the board bills. We did clear both committees on the House and Senate side and uh, receive word that we should have a Senate vote soon, and then we'll just be waiting on the House. So lots of positive news on the practice-related front and pharmacy legislation, um, which is great to see. Yeah, very much so. Well, let's dive into the nitty gritty part that happens after legislation is passed and talk about some of the rulemakings. Sue, these were all adoption and filings today. Is that correct? That is correct. So that means that these bills are essentially done. I mean, bills, excuse me, rules are essentially done moving through the rulemaking process. Then um, I suppose, depending on ARC approval, but um, most of these then are done from the Board of Pharmacy perspective. Um, and I think it'd be great just to start going through the list, Sue. Yeah. And start with the proposed adoption and filing to chapter three, dealing with pharmacy technicians. Yeah, so um, the board, um, just as a reminder to people, um, all administrative agencies are required to uh, review their administrative rules at least every five years. And so the board has a continuous process um, where we are doing that review. Um, so we're in, a, in our second five-year review period. And um, 
So a couple of these adoptions are just an overall, actually three of the four that we'll talk about today are a result of that five-year review of just going through the entire chapter, digging through to see um, what needs to be updated, um, et cetera. So first up is the chapter three for pharmacy technicians. Um, and in a lot of these five-year review um, reviews, we've been trying to organize all of our licensing and registration processes so that they're the same across all of our licensees and registrants. Um, and so that's a lot of what is in uh, this rulemaking is um, getting that renewal process um, and registration process consistent across the board. Uh, but one thing that the board um, has seen a lot of trouble with um, in the last several years is just the registration uh, for technicians and PSPs. Um, currently the board allows a pharmacy to a 30 day window, right? So somebody could start working in a pharmacy and they'd have 30 days to get registered with the board. Um, but the board has continued to see far too many problems with that. And, and the board has had to investigate far too many um, investigations or um, complaints relating to that. So the board felt that it was time um, to change that requirement and simply just require that the person have a registration before they start working in the pharmacy. Um, and as hopefully people know, uh, the board has been working on getting all of its application processes set up for an online application process. So all license and registrations that um, are up for renewal can be renewed online. Those are all active. And we're in the process of getting all of our new applications set up for an online process. And most of them are, are done. Um, so as far as technicians go, technician trainee, new application process can be completed online. Certified technicians, new registration is imminent. It should be, um, that should be live and ready to roll prior to the effective date of this rulemaking. So the board feels like that's something that should be able to be accomplished during the, the typical onboarding process of a new employee. You have somebody sitting in a room and they're filling out paperwork for their payroll deductions, maybe for insurance uh, coverage. So the board feels like there's no reason why they couldn't also complete their registration online application in a matter of minutes during that regular process. Um, so that is probably the biggest piece um, that would affect pharmacies is that requirement that that person is registered before they set foot in the pharmacy. Um, so the board did get several comments, you know, with a concern about that, but given the, the online application process that is set up or imminent, um, they felt like that should not be an ongoing problem, but they did agree to set up a July 1 enforcement date or effective date for that component of the rulemaking. Um, so the 30 day grace period for registration would be um, still possible through the end of June and then starting July 1, any new uh, technician or PSP would have to have their registration activated prior to starting, um, starting a job in a pharmacy. Okay. Do you have any questions about that, Casey? No, Sue, I, I think that's that's great. And uh, I, I would say for those listening, um, understanding this change and then uh, 
providing that education, whether it's to your employer or the pharmacy you work at, will be crucial. Um, and, you know, full disclosure, we did, as Sue mentioned, hear from members who felt like this was um, a potential area of concern. So uh, understanding that the process is moving closer to real time and that the board has moved the implementation back to provide for um, hopefully moving out of what is a busy time with uh, COVID vaccinations for pharmacies, but also more time to understand the new process will be crucial. So I'd maybe encourage all of our listeners to understand that and um, and uh, make sure that um, you realize that that change is coming. So Sue, so I, I assume um, as a non-pharmacist, maybe it might be helpful. Is that all handled, um, that process through the board website or the pharmacy pro, uh, I might get my terminology wrong, but pharmacist <laughs> okay. profile. It's on the board's website. Yep. So we have okay. a specific link just for online. Um, I think it's online applications or it, it's one of the headers. Um, let's see if I can just look here quick. Yeah. Online services. It's just the third tab. Um, and they, they could just go right in and, um, look for the, the online, um, the type of registration or license that they are looking for and, and do that one. And again, PSPs and technician trainee applications are um, live and, and rolling right now and certified technicians for new, uh, that will be coming very, very soon. Um, and I guess I would point out that just for this rulemaking, um, I'll get it filed here in the next week. And so I would anticipate an effective date of May 12th for the rulemaking. But again, just that that registration piece would be right. a July 1 enforcement. Yeah, but you make a good point about the Administrative Rules Review Committee. They ultimately would have the ability to pause that rulemaking if they felt that that was needed. Yeah, I, I think it's just a great example of um, how the board takes public input to understand um, you know, the potential implications and moving that start date back provides time yeah. for everyone because certainly it's a balancing act understanding the board's concerns um, and the issues that you've encountered with the current process are yeah. certainly are certainly not minor um, and so that's the work the rules committee does and the board does in weighing the, the comments that come in but also the need to ensure public safety so it's kind yeah. of a great example of of the really one of the main tasks uh, that the board handles so appreciate the insight there sue but uh, really interesting. And uh, I think a great, uh, great topic to cover today, because that's certainly one that will uh, affect practice. And that's kind of what we want to uh, get out of these podcasts. So thank you. Yeah. And I, and I like to think that really this change will actually make things easier for pharmacies, because what we have typically seen are situations where maybe the, the local pharmacy manager thinks that all the paperwork is filled out, and that application gets sent on maybe to somewhere up in corporate above them to get a check attached to it and send off. And they don't think about it again because they assume it's all being handled and then it gets lost in the shuffle and it doesn't get turned in and it doesn't get processed and, you know, something's missing. And so then they, you know, then the local pharmacy doesn't, doesn't know that that's not happening. And they, if they don't check on it, you know, then right. they're getting themselves in a situation that, you know, they're in violation when, you know, if it just, if they're required to be registered before they set foot, then that kind of forces that to be handled and protects that local pharmacy. 
Right. Well, and we're all moving to, uh, well, our meetings have been online lately, but uh, yeah. obviously we're all moving to an online process for, yeah. for most things in life. So, yeah. well, uh, I think that just about covers maybe the updates to the technician rule and gets into another, obviously important component of the updates to chapter five and the pharmacy yeah. support person's chapter. Was there anything else in the pharmacy support person's chapter that would be of um, of note that we should talk about today, Sue? If not, we can move on to the changes to chapter four and pharmacist interns. Well, not specifically, but I guess I will point out one other thing that's, that's I think, a big piece to these two um, chapters for three and five is the specific language that prohibits a license holder from requiring a local pharmacist to um, delegate a specific task to either a technician or a PSP if they don't feel comfortable, if they don't feel that person has the appropriate training, um, you know, or is, or is particularly competent to do that task, then the license holder can't force a pharmacist um, to delegate a function that, that's, um, that they, I guess, disagree with or that is against their professional judgment. And I think that's some important language too. Right. And especially considering the board's legislation that moves more towards allowing the professional judgment of a pharmacist to be utilized um, in delegating tasks to te certified technicians, understanding too that part of that professional judgment is being able to decide when that's not appropriate or they're not comfortable with doing that. So absolutely, um, and certainly see how those two things can be viewed uh, together as important pieces. So yeah. thank you for yep. mentioning that as well. Maybe now uh, we can move on to the, the changes to chapter four and pharmacist intern. Sue, was this a part of the five-year review process as well? Yeah, it was. And there, there's not really a whole lot that's earth shattering um, in this one. It was just a lot of cleanup um, and just making things consistent um, with, with some language and like, getting rid of language that that's no longer valid. Um, so really nothing substantial, I don't think. Okay. Well, you know, sometimes that's good too, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, as we say at the legislature, it's mostly just cleanup. Yeah. Those are yeah. words that everyone likes to hear. So totally. Uh, the next uh, rule that I, I think would be good to talk about stems from a legislative push that the, the board had for a couple of years, right, Sue? Yeah, yeah. We can think back uh, dealing with uh, reporting to the, the Prescription Drug Monitoring Program, or PMP, uh, and specifically those Schedule 5 substances, if I am if I remember correctly, Sue. Do you want maybe want to talk about where this rule stems from and what it does? Yeah, you're absolutely right. So the board's been trying for, gosh, two or three years to try to expand reporting to the PMP to include Schedule 5 controlled substances. Um, and, you know, there was some pushback for a couple of years and finally in 2020, um, finally got it through. So this is the rulemaking that implements that bill from last year that will require reporting um, to the PMP of all Schedule 5s dispensed. And it would also include those Schedule 5s that are, are sold or dispensed over the counter without a prescription. So the guaifenesin with coating over the counter, um, those, those would have to be reported to the PMP as well. Um, it would not 
include reporting to the PMP for pseudoephedrine sales, because those go, of course, to the, uh, the real-time electronic, um, um, the pseudoephedrine tracking system. So those are excluded from the PMP, but other C C5s would need to be reported. Um, and then this rulemaking also provides a specific allowance for veterinarians to access uh, the PMP on a client um, or a patient. So the animal or the animal's owner. Gotcha. Yeah. I, like you said, I remember the saga of that bill and it, it took a couple pushes, but finally got across the finish line. So yeah, important to know. And do you, I, if you don't know it off the top of your head, that's fine. So do you know when that will become effective? My, my hope is also that it would be effective May 12th. Okay. Yeah. So pharmacies should start probably working with their, their PMP vendor, you know, their corporate officer, whoever handles their PMP reporting to make sure that that's getting lined up if they're not already reporting C5s. Um, but to make sure that that um, is, is getting set up. Great. Well, that just about covers uh, the list of adopted rules that we wanted to hit today. Sue, maybe just quickly, I know we've been trying to highlight questions that the board receives or timely questions that the board is receiving. Uh, and certainly right now with the COVID-19 vaccination rollout uh, and the HHS guidance uh, allowing technicians to administer those vaccinations, I'm sure the board is receiving a lot of questions. Um, it, that is based solely on the HHS guidance, right? So um, it is, yep. While the board is involved, uh, I would say peripherally, uh, if a pharmacist is following that guidance, um, then they are operating within the bounds. Uh, how do I want to word this? Maybe you can help me out. Essentially, if you're following the guidance, um, technicians are allowed to administer those vaccinations. Is that a fair statement? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the HHS guidance and the board's COVID information webpage um, has a section that is dedicated to uh, technician and intern immunizations. Of course, interns have been authorized in Iowa to administer vaccines, um, but we've got specific information on there that, that provides that HHS order and authorization. Um, and, and we just, the board put out a guidance that kind of reiterates what that order is um, and how the board views um, who is a qualified technician um, so yeah, as long as they're, they're following those minimum standards laid out by HHS, then they are qualified to administer and they're qualified for that um, immunity provided in the HHS order. Gotcha. Great. Well, that, that's incredibly helpful. And uh, I think maybe timely just to say thank you to all those pharmacists out there right now that are working very hard to get shots in arms. and. Uh, definitely uh, appreciative of all the work that's going on. So thank you. Yeah, agreed. Well, Sue, that is all I had on my list today. Uh, as always, thank you for your time. I'm going to put you on the spot one more time because I don't have it in front of me, but do you know when the next Board of Pharmacy meeting is scheduled for? It is on May 11 and 12. May 11th and 12. So uh, Look for another podcast updating uh, all of our listeners on, on what action the board took then. Um, otherwise, Sue, thank you. And thank you to everyone who listened to the IPA Board of Pharmacy What, Why, and How podcast today. 
We look forward to providing you information at the next after the next board meeting as well. So thank you.